we share our experiences because it's kind of, because we say, you know, there are just things that you should look out for in a coaching relationship. And then there are things that Mm -hmm. have informed the way we go into coaching. Actually, one of our clients said that to us once when they read our coaching contract, they were like, oh, you've made it very clear. You are not our therapist and you are not here. Yes, exactly. Welcome to Purposeful Podcasting. I'm Wendy. And I'm Crystal. This podcast is meant to share how we and other entrepreneurs bring together purpose and passion to leverage profit in our businesses. We are shining a light on adventure-loving, purpose-driven, action-minded, authentic, and rebellious entrepreneurs. Just like us. So join us as we talk about business and life and everything in between. Hello there, and welcome to this week's episode of Purposeful Podcasting. I am Wendy, and I'm here with Crystal, who could say hello if she wants. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We're finally getting that whole thing down pat. And this week's episode is a bit interesting. I'll give a little bit of the backstory before we jump right into what it ultimately is going to be. Not too long ago, I came across podcasts and an email and all sorts of stuff from a coach who I had greatly respected and great and had actually turned or discovered and turned to during the summer of 2020 with the George Floyd summer and really, really relied on her expertise, empathy, just to really help guide me through that really difficult time, I guess, for many of us. Mm-hmm. I came across what really knocked me to the core. Without getting into great detail, she has a podcast and, and an email list and all this stuff. And I saw an email, which was an apology. Now, let me back up just a little bit to say that I am a Jewish American. And this particular stretch of fall into into winter, I was like, wait, what is this now winter, has been very difficult on a lot of levels. This particular person is a DEI, which is diversity, equity, and inclusion coach, who, again, I really had leaned on her, not personally, but actually I did end up, I did a course of hers. And I had always thought and really believed that part of this DEI grouping as a Jewish American, which is a very small minority in the U.S. and in the world, would be included. Anyway, so I get this email, which was apologizing for a podcast, which then I went and listened to the podcast. It hit so many nerves. And in conversation, Crystal and I were talking about what ultimately is what this podcast is about, you know, what kind of are our deal breakers when it comes to coaches? I realized that Rebel on the Go, or when I started as a, as an entrepreneur, that's almost eight years ago, which is really? so crazy to me. Yes, it was. Well, wait a second. I can add, wait. Twenty sixteen. Yeah. In April of 20, in 2024, it'll be eight years. So seven, like seven and a half years. Wow. Isn't that ridiculous? It's just oh. so ridiculous. 
I know I'm feeling beyond old. That's crazy. That over this time period, I have had a coach in one shape, form, or another. Yes. So not only do I coach, but I have coaches because I think that's the way it's supposed to be. But that's a whole other conversation. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I think that the nature of this particular podcast had to do with, you know, what are our deal breakers for having coaches? And this is really from a personal perspective. So I will be quiet now and let you get a word in edgewise. (laughs) No, but it was important to kind of set the scene on how we got here, because I think that when you are in the online space, I think investing in coaching is really, really important. And Mm -hmm. I also think that finding coaching that is one worth your money. And I'm not saying affordable because there are all kinds of ranges of coaching packages and opportunities and things out Mm -hmm. there. And I know programs that are several thousand dollars that I think would be worth every penny. And I know programs that are several thousand dollars that are absolute shit. Right. And I think, (laughs) so, so I think that it's hard to find a program that is worth your money where you get a return on your investment, I guess is a better way to put it. And where the coach is credible and that you have an alignment in values. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened here. You know, we invest a lot of our time and money because we have a love of learning and because we have natural curiosity, we're always signing up for programs. We think that's interesting. Um, You did this dare to lead program last year that I'm dying to get into in the next year. You have to. And I'm finishing up another certification right now. You have certifications coming out the wazoo on different (laughs) things. And it's because we are constantly driven by curiosity and we find these things are interesting and we want to be better so we can be better for our clients, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's really what it comes. I mean, I don't think that's totally what it comes down to. I think it's mostly that we are very natural learners and love to do that. Right, right. But I also think we're drawn to the community of coaches as well. And I think what struck a court nerve here for you is very similar to an experience. I mean, it's not similar at all because it's, I think what, what struck the nerve with you is very much more personal than what it did with me, but it's when you realize that you're in a toxic environment that you don't feel safe in. And I think that that's a big flag in the coaching world because the coaching world can sometimes feel very cult-like. And very, you're either with us or against us. And I think that when you look at a coaching relationship and you're ready to take the money to invest in coaching, because when you get into the online space, it kind of goes into this natural progression of, I have an idea. I dabble in a couple DIY courses and then Mm -hmm. you invest into like either into coaching, whether it's through a group program or private coaching. So it's a natural progression we all go through. I think it's really, really important. We all have coaches for different things or different needs in our life. To me, what was a flag in your situation, because it felt very personal to you. And it was really, I think, hard when you realize that I've invested a lot of time and money into somebody who now I don't feel like I'm in alignment with. And I think that Mm -hmm. always feels disappointing. So at the same time, then what do you do? And then I think that for me, when I felt that way, and we can go into that story later, but I think when I, when I felt like I was in a coaching environment that was toxic or that didn't feel like a good fit anymore, it turned me off from coaching for a long time. 
Mm, interesting. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah. afraid to invest the money for a long time, yeah. invest the time kind of at a detriment to myself, honestly. Oh, totally. Yes. I think that it's very interesting. I absolutely appreciate what you just said on many levels. One thing is, is really nailing down. And this is one of what I consider to be my deal breakers is there are so many people out there who are consultants who slap on a coaching label, but really are lacking the skills, the coaching skills mm-hmm. that are needed. Cause it's like, you know, here's a DIY, DIY, DIY program. Mm-hmm. That's actually by definition, not real. That's not really coaching. No. And there's also, you know, coaches who sell pro programs. Well, while a coach can specialize and, you know, really hone in a niche, the, the, really the, the definition of a coach is someone who is in a coactive relationship with you, who listens, actively listens, asks questions, delves into, you know, really you as a person and provides accountability, provides motivation, those types of things. But you're doing the work. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, and I don't mean, oh, today we're going to look at our, you know, our our marketing plan. It's not necessarily, or today we're going to work on our marketing. You know, it's not necessarily generally that type of coaching. And I think that that's one of the things that ultimately has disappointed me. And I, and I do think that your use of that word was absolutely spot on. I think that that's kind of a twofold thing that it is really like the lack of the coaching skills and also really the focus on, I'm really a consultant, but I'm saying I'm a coach, which to me, why not just say that you, like, you know, we joke around where, you know, I'm switching my hat now, I have my consulting hat on, oh, I'm putting my coaching Exactly. So I think that that's, it's just, I think that this is, and it's such, coaching is such an important part of growing as a person and having a good quality coach that you really are in sync with is to me so important. I look back and I realize that the pitfalls that I've had over my almost eight years match up to who I had as a coach at that particular time. And, you know, it's interesting because I think about like shared values. And I I even went so far this morning before record, before we hopped on to look up my VIA, which is values in action strengths, Mm -hmm. which is an assessment that actually we use a lot as one of those foundational starting points, you know, things like perspective and fairness and curiosity. Those are the types of things that I possess that I really need to have. It's like almost I want my coaches to take this as well. But anyway, I digress. (laughs) Now that I think about it, I think that, yeah, they have. Anyway, but it's also, and this I think is super important right now, is that I need that cultural sensitivity mm-hmm. that, you know, I and I think I possess that, that really came out, you know, over the past three, actually three and a half, three, three and a half years. 
And I also need that person to have, you know, to be respectful and empathetic and also curious, aware of what's going on in the world. Really, an avoidance of stereotype is huge for me. And, you know, what's interesting is I had on my list for 2024 to actually purchase one of this person's programs. Mm-hmm. I have been following a particular program for quite some time now. And then I'm like, wow, there's mm-hmm. no way in hell I'm giving her any of my money. Because even if, and I believe very much in, you know, we have the right to say what we want. But when it comes to adding in the elements of respect mm-hmm. and possibly empathy, those are so huge on my list. That and what I heard, you know, was, oh my gosh, no, no, no. And I don't think, and being that there was a follow-up email that says, hey, I'm sorry, I apologize for what I said, but not really, leads me to believe that I wasn't the only one. But anyway. I didn't realize there was a follow-up email too. Well, and I think, so what had happened too was that this person said something incredibly offensive on the podcast and then in an email, and then I think got backlash and then they sent up the follow-up apology email. And we've talked (laughs) about this before where, you know, when do you have the right to speak up politically? Mm -hmm. How do you do that? And I'll link that episode in the show notes. But I think that you and I agree. I don't necessarily need my coach to believe in everything that I believe in. I don't. Absolutely not. I actually don't want that. I don't want that because I need diversity of world viewpoints. I have a, a very diverse group of friends that are that swing differently culturally and politically and all across the board. And I think that helps me as a person grow and learn more. And I think that you hit the nail on the coffin, uh, (laughs) not the nail on the coffin, but I think you hit the point really, really (laughs) home where, when you said that respect must be in the cornerstone of those things, you can have a differing political opinion than me. You exactly. feel differently about the state of global events in the world as me. And we can have uh-huh. different conversations because I think that holding that tension of both and is so important. Yay, Brene Brown. Like, listen, you know, that's so important yeah. to all of us to remember, but you have to be respectful and you have to be empathetic to exactly. what my viewpoint is. And at the point that you cannot exactly. do that, then all right off. And I think that that's exactly. And I think that's interesting when you get into coaching, coaching relationships that are toxic environment. I think one of the first things that is non-existent in that is respect and empathy. It's interesting because one of the other deal breakers for me is, is coaches that have that very much an egocentric approach. And and it's almost like the savior complex, like it's my way or the highway that, you know, it's more about the coach than the client. And I think in a lot of ways, and I have mad respect for, you know, for, for coaches, this is not really an easy profession necessarily. And it requires a great deal of vulnerability and, and not to mention your foundational skills. So I, you know, it's like, it's almost like this egocentric approach is like the Brene's armor, 
you know, you put it on and you don't want to feel vulnerable or you don't want to feel less than that kind of thing. But it's one of those things, again, where if it's all about the coach rather than the client, then that's where you don't have to have respect. You don't have to have empathy. A lot of coaches are so focused on their foundational skills, whatever that may be, that they really kind of lose touch with what really makes a good coach. And that is the empathy, the respect. You have to build trust if you actually want to get work done. I also just think so strongly that life is not one size fits all. There's also, you know, an inflexibility. You know, if I come to a coaching session and I've just had a really shitty day and you're like, well, did you achieve this week's goal? And I'm like, well, actually, no. And I want to actually get into it or talk about it. And I'm cut off and I'm like, well, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. My answer to that generally is fuck you on a lot of levels. And I have really had, I've had coaches who have cut me off at the knees. You know, you're just making excuses. Well, maybe I am, but cut me some slack kind of thing. Well, and so I really <laughs> don't know you and how to properly motivate you to get done. Well, there is, done. Yes. I mean, when you think about, yeah, that one size fits all coaching thing, mm-hmm. I think a lot of coaches and I'm using air quotes here, you got the audience can't see me, but when I coaches or mm-hmm. consultants, really are not coaching on anything. They're consulting their method to other people. Exactly. And and that might work for other people. And it also might've been something that worked 10 years ago, but the climate of online business and marketing and everything has changed exponentially in the last three years, even even in in the last year, this year with the introduction of AI and other Mm -hmm. things that are happening out there, the online landscape has changed the economic climate has changed. And so what worked three years ago isn't necessarily going to work now. And the problem is, is that a lot of coaches get up into rooms and they go on and on about this methodology. And then they berate people for not making it work. And one, it's using shame as a tactic to motivate people, which is never a good way to go. And then two, they're not in the arena anymore. So they're not actually practicing what they're preaching anymore. Because Mm -hmm. they know this isn't, they can't do just this thing. There are other things they need to do to market their business. And I always think a telling thing is when you look at a coach and you look at, you know, I I would ask myself, like, who's benefiting the most in the relationship? And by that, I mean, when I look at other coaches out there and then you look at their clients, okay, Mm -hmm. who's benefited the most from this relationship? Is it the coach or the client? And I think a lot of times I think about how many times have I been in a room with a coach and the only person benefiting in that room is the coach. The clients Mm -hmm. are not doing better in business. The Mm -hmm. clients are not, you know, I think about rooms where- And I would even argue- that they're not, that's not a coaching, that's not a coaching situation or a coaching scenario right there. But I, but like, I know for me, I signed up for a coaching program, right? Yeah. My experience with it was I had signed up for a year long coaching program. It included a retreat. I went on some Mm -hmm. retreat. I did said program and I came back from the retreat, like really effed up. Like it just, Oh, 
so messed up. I remember talking to my friend who is a licensed therapist and said, sounds to me like you were in a room with a narcissist surrounded by a bunch of codependents. And I'm like, oh my God. A hundred and ten percent. Well, you know, it's that is such an interesting thing because one of the things that also absolute deal deal breaker is a coach is not a therapist and or a palm reader for that matter. You know, you know, I think of a coach who suggested my relationship with my dead brother wasn't particularly good. And I was just like, wow, that was just wow. Coach is not a therapist. A coach can be an empathetic ear. Mm -hmm. A coach can be an understanding like, well, you know, you may want if this is truly what you're what's blocking you, you may want to see a therapist. But in the meantime, let's take small steps to keep you in the right direction, that sort of thing, which makes complete sense. But I don't pay a coach for therapy. And actually, you know the difference when your insurance will cover the therapy? Your insurance don't cover the coach. <laughs> no. And I and you know, we have a whole other podcast on this too, right? Link in show notes. But I think you're right because a coach is bringing you, we had this conversation yesterday, actually, a coach's baseline for Yes, exactly. Exactly. Is to help bring you back to baseline. Exactly. And I think that you can have like there's just no doubt in our relationship with our clients, the personal bleeds into the professional and personal things. Well, and I think that's up. normal. But I think that the difference is, is that we are very conscious. And I do think we are very conscious and intentional in those moments to be an empathetic ear, to encourage and validate feelings, and then to bring it back to how can we help this with your business moving forward? You know, if, if you're having issues with like a spouse, that's not being supportive of your business, right? Like I'm not your marriage counselor, but I can talk to you about like different things and tactics that we have used and that we encourage people to use when it comes to talking about runways, setting valid expectations Mm -hmm. of business, things like that. And so it's just kind of understanding what the difference is and then, but you know, not turn around and manipulating the situation to say, oh, you should get a divorce. Oh, you should, you know, like that's, that's not our place as a coach because I'm not a licensed therapist. Exactly. Um, Exactly. You know, these are big flags for me when you hear people try and diagnose your relationship with your brother. Yeah. Or, you know, (laughs) there's like a myriad of completely effed up things I've heard over the years that I feel like I could make a list and then have our audience add to that list. Right. Yeah. That would be slightly entertaining. It's so entertaining, but it's disturbing because these people are deemed successful. And, you know, it's also why I encourage other people as well to go into coaching or go into this profession, because if you do have a real call to help people in a real call and you do have skills and professional certification to do it, the world of coaching needs more good ethical coaches. (laughs) Yes. 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 And so we share our experiences because it's kind of because we say, you know, there are just things that you should look out for in a coaching relationship. And then there are things that Mm -hmm. have informed the way we go into coaching. Actually, one of our clients said that to us once when they read our coaching contract, they were like, oh, you've made it very clear. You are not our therapist and you are not here. Yes. 
for therapy. And we laughed and we said, well, that's because we have witnessed the pitfalls of that situation. And we, and other people come from other coaches as well and Mm -hmm. might've had other experiences or other relationship dynamics with a previous coach that were unhealthy, that we don't Mm -hmm. want brought into this coaching environment as well. Right. And so we really just kind of set that boundary up front. So people are aware, you know, this is, this is what we're here for. And this is what we're not here for, not because we don't care about our clients or want to help our clients, but because we are not capable of helping them in that way. I think that, and I think that's the way we hold respect and empathy in that situation. When you're not qualified to handle certain situations, you can really F people up. And that is very true. And that is just so counterproductive and and counterintuitive to what we're here to do. The thing that I think of is, okay, I'm listening, someone's listening to this podcast. They're like, okay, you know, what should I be doing? What should I be looking at? I was thinking that the first thing to do is really have an idea of kind of who you are, what, you know, people you like to work with are you, and what exactly is it that you think you need? Now, a coach may ultimately say, oh, that's what you need. And that's what you want. It's not necessarily what you need. And they may guide you in, guide you in a slightly different direction or, or, or solve that problem or answer that question and say, okay, now let's look at, you know, which is actually what you're really truly paying people to do for you. You know, coming into something with an open mind, I think is your, it's the greatest reward for yourself, but you want to make sure that someone is willing to set clear expectations. Like we don't coach. <laughs> I mean, we don't, we, we're not, wait a second. Like we do not, we do, we're not therapists, yeah. <laughs> you know, that right. type of thing. You want someone who really listens to you. You know, if you do 90% of the talking in a session that's actually a really good thing because while they bring certain skills to the table, it's really, you, you probably know what those skills are. Okay. I'm a marketing coach and I have a specific marketing strategy. Okay. You probably have a good idea what it is, but how is that going to be work for you? And how is that implemented? So if you end up doing the majority of the talking that's actually a really good session. Mm-hmm. And if you walk away with, wow, I just, I feel so much better. Actually, that's a huge, that's a huge win. So someone who really is listening to you and then at the end can, can wrap things up and it's perfectly appropriate to have, well, if you set it up ahead of time as part of your expectations, homework. Yep. Assignments, things of that nature really add to the experience. You know, I've had, coaches who both, ju- you know, who it is like a therapy session where you, you talk, whether it's once a week, once a month, and that's it. Yeah. And, and where's the accountability, like motivation, you know, it's like, Hey, but now we have, most of us have Voxer, which <laughs> is such a fabulous tool. <laughs> but I, yeah. well, cause I think that what's cool about like good coaching relationships that I've had and that I have now have been, like you said, they, they listen, they ask really good questions mm-hmm. because, and I, I tell this to clients all the time. I ask a lot of questions. So I'm, I tend to be the marketing half in our coaching relationship with our clients. I can give you a marketing strategy that will shoot you to the moon, but if that's not where you want to go, 
Mm-hmm. And it's a waste of your time and my time. And actually we'll just end up leaving everybody frustrated because it's out of alignment. It's out of whack. The client procrastinates. I'm frustrated that they don't get it done. It, mm-hmm. it would make me a crappy cut, right. but, but by asking the questions of, you know, what personal conflicts might have with this, what's, you know, Wendy's great at asking, what's your runway? What resources do you have to put into this plan? You're now setting a realistic strategy that shoots you to New York or that shoots you to Canada. Okay. Not necessarily to the moon. And so I was like, wait, where are you going with this? And so, you know, (laughs) it, it gives it again, it just changes the direction of the conversation of where you want to go. And then, you know, a good coaching relationship in my mind helps cut through all that noise because as online entrepreneurs, as online business, Mm -hmm. we are constantly inundated. How many emails I wonder, do I have in my inbox right now from people still selling me stuff because they extended their black Friday sale or whatever, Mm -hmm. just so many things, you know, you can get this copywriting accelerator course and you can get this thing to write your sales page and this AI tool and this thing. And I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. How do I know what's best for me and for my business and what What? direction should I go? And I think what's cool about a great coaching relationship is that a coach knows you, knows your strengths, knows what's going to be a good, knows where you want to go they kind of help cut through that noise to say, yeah, that investment might help you. I would stay away from that and not touch it with a 10 foot pole. Exactly. Well, exactly. And I think of actually a coach who I still work with now, actually we both work with, Mm -hmm. who has her own signature program. I cannot remember the last time that signature program ever has come into a conversation. It has been year, it's been a long time. And instead of, oh, you know, while that may work right now, or it may not, it's the ability, as you said, to cut through the noise and and see what is best for the client, as opposed to, well, this is what I sell. And again, that actually has an incredibly important space and place in the ecosystem we operate in, but that's a consultant. Yeah. And that is, you know, someone who can come into your business and diagnose a problem and fix it. That is not your personal coach to actually, you know, ultimately get your set, you know, set and achieve your goals. Not that they don't set and achieve goals just in a different way. And actually general, I I think of consultants as more of like a corporate thing, whereas a coach is more of a one-on-one personal thing where it's, you know, more specific to the individual needs. But I think we all may have different definitions with that. But, well, I'm feeling better. I have been, this has just been hanging on me a bit, a bit too much. And now it's time to put it to bed and move on. (laughs) Or not. We can keep talking about it tomorrow. It's fine. No, that's okay. (laughs) I'm I'm just done. I'm just done. (laughs) Okay. So until next week. Until next week, leave us a message, shoot us a DM or reply to our email that went out about this podcast and tell us about what 
what flags do you look for in coaching relationships? What are deal breakers for you? And, and if you are looking for a coach with an empathetic ear and to be respectful of your business needs, book a call. And until next week, bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating. But only if you liked it. Otherwise, just keep it to yourself. You can learn more about purposeful podcasting on our website at serendipitousrebel.com. And if you have topics you'd like to hear about, be sure to submit them on our website or DM us on social media. 